welcome everyone to Utah in the Weeds, episode 15. We are here in the Utah Therapeutic Health Center office. The studios, the Utah. The studio, <laughs> yeah, utahmarijuana.org, uh, Utah in the Weeds podcast studios. I'm Tim Pickett, here with Chris. And should we introduce our guest right away? Absolutely. I'm going to let you introduce her because she's so, your sister, man. Yes. So uh, the scariest type of guest you can bring on a podcast, probably, right? Your own sibling. This is Katie Sly. She is my sister, younger by two years. Welcome, Katie. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to be part of the process. And yeah, I'm really excited about bringing Katie on. So let me tell you a little bit about where what Katie is to us here at uh, in this clinic and with utahmarijuana.org. Katie is, and with the the podcast, frankly, I think talking to you, I mean, you are like our biggest fan. I am. I'm the number one fan for sure. You know what? That reminds me of the birthday card we always get, right? From mom, you know, a hashtag, hashtag. <laughs> you know, your love mom, your number one biggest fan. You really are our biggest fan, but you do all of the I mean, you are the the voice of the clinic operations and helping people through and training. I mean, click by click. Yeah, and there's a lot of clicks. I'll tell you, normal doctors, you're going to go in, you're going to get a prescription, you're going to go to the pharmacy, you're going to fill it, you're going to go on with your day. Not Utah marijuana. No, you are going to be led in a bunch of clicks, and I'm the one that's going to help you. You're going to hear my voice. All the way through, I'm going to say, is your computer in front of you? Awesome. Let's get logged in and let's get it done because there's a lot to it and people need help. And that's what we're here for. So you've been here with Tim since the beginning, right? Yeah, I was working at home yeah. to start. I think you told me. You no, might, you might have told me the like, story. Remember, it was the day the dispensary opened, March 1st, right? And I was. it was March 2nd. It was Monday. And I was headed down to the dispensary. To, for the opening and like the, the phone, yeah. right, right. And uh, the phone started ringing and it started ringing and ringing and ringing. And I called uh, Michelle, our other sister and you. And I was like, Hey, read the website, turn on your phone, download this app. You got to help me. And, the, and you've been full time every day since that day. Yes. Right? And it was just baptism by fire. Jump in answer the phone and help these people. I mean, you reached out to us and said, hey, look, you know, people don't know what to do. The state has not set up the most user-friendly way to get medical cannabis to our patients. And who are we going to call? You know, it's not Ghostbusters, but it's the sisters. And you call them and we're there for you. And we started answering calls. And I mean, I think the first day we missed like a hundred calls. No kidding. Yeah, I th I think that that's right. I mean, I we were we were like eighty voicemails deep in a matter of like a day. It was it was really out of hand. Everyone We've gone through the wave, though. Yes, everyone wanted to know: Is this really happening? Is there really? Uh, <laughs> Do we really <laughs> like, have yeah. cannabis in Utah? I heard a rumor, and they said it's going to be here. Is this true? And then you've got to give the information out about the clinic and get the information out about how not only to come to the clinic or a provider, but to get to the pharmacy. And there's a million steps. And it was yeah. opened up piss poorly. I mean, the state said, hey, we got this going and we're going to open it up. And I just don't think they were prepared 
I, I don't think now, they thought anybody would even do it. I, I bet you the state I, of Utah honestly, is like, oh, maybe we'll get a hundred cards, yeah. maybe a hundred people. Right. They were expecting, I think maybe they were like hoping they would get a hundred <laughs> QMPs by the end of the year. And now there's like 380 QMPs. Wow. Right. Like, and they've done, they're well ahead of their uh, marker for how many cards they've issued. I'll tell you, within, I mean, how long has it been since day one? I mean, March, April, May, June. We're four months in from the launch of the illegal, of the legal system, right? And in that turnaround, I will say the state has done a lot. They've got a lot more people staffed there. I don't know how many, but I do know that more people answer the phones. I'll bet you have done, I'll bet you have helped more people get their card in Utah than probably like anybody I actually full on agree with that because we get a lot of patients calling and they're like, well, we just Googled marijuana and we got utahmarijuana.org. We got your clinic number. We've already seen a provider. We have our letter. We went to the dispensary and we got turned away. We've called our doctor. They're not going to help us. They said to call the state. And so they weren't giving any help. So those patients are calling us and I'm saying, hey, I can't, I can't certify you. I can't look at your application, but I can send you the step-by-step video, you know, that we've made. Oh, yeah. I can tell you how to do it. I can tell you what clicks to make. But if you're certified, if you're a qualified medical provider hasn't put in that certification, I can't help you at all. So wait, other people like that have other doctors, other QMPs are coming here trying to get in. Yeah. I mean, that, Just their that, patients. That doesn't seem fair to because you Because no though. one is... No well, one is, I think I mean, a lot of offices aren't set up to help their patients. And I am really proud that we're set up here to help the patients. You know, we're not just handing out medical cannabis cards here. We're helping the patients. Utah has set up a really good, um, I think they've done a good job on keeping everyone connected with their provider. It is very frustrating for the experienced user to have to do the 90-day renewal do the meeting with the pharmacist at the dispensary pharmacy. You know, those are, it's just annoying to the experienced user, but most patients aren't experienced users. They are people who this is new to, and they need that step-by-step. So we're doing the 90-day renewal with a lot of patients, and they're saying, why are we doing this? Well, it's because we want the provider to be in contact with the patient, whether it's through the office staff or not, but is cannabis helping? Do you need help with your dosing? Do you need different recommendations? I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where medical cannabis has gotten a bad name is because of places like even California, right? Like where it's like, oh, come get your card for 35 bucks. And then, you know, you get your card, you walk out, you never have to see that doctor again. They, they don't even know who you are. Right. And you're, you're doing a lot of that um, even over the phone on yeah. other, in other states. And I, I even met with a guy today who's, I mean, he knows a QMP who was, who quit a, a local QMP office three days in because they were having that QMP just not even see the patient. They were just reviewing records, signing letters, and and they really just sending the patient out on the street with their letter. It's not, there is some of that going on here. We're tr- like, we're trying to, we're trying to be the place that is, is like helpful to all the patients. So I mean, it's even interesting for me to listen to you talk about this because I don't know all of the phone calls that go on in that, in, in the bullpen, so to speak, where you've got your, you know, you've got a whole staff of people that are answering the phone and walking people through. It's almost like you've taken over some of this, some of what the state really was, it was kind of the, the state's responsibility. 
100%. I think that if insurance were covering this, this would be like medical coding or medical billing. I mean, aren't there those the jobs that are putting in the Right, they're putting in like all that information and they're making sure the patient's covered for their insurance and I don't know, maybe there's 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 more to it in an insurance standpoint. But I don't know. Yeah, do do just, you think insurance will ever cover any of this? Yeah, I think that like in New York State, insurance is starting does. to push or the state government is starting to push insurance companies to cover the visits. So like here we have a we have a person who's trained on credentialing for insurance and that's we're working on that because I think it'll happen. It might take a year, it might take two years, but when it's ready, then we, we I mean we'll be we'll be ready to go. That's awesome. And you'll probably just be like plummeted with people then. I don't know. Like I think we talk about this sometimes like with legal, when it legalizes, right? Quote unquote legalizes. What does that mean? Well, there's different ways it could legalize. Does it, does that mean just interstate travel? You'll be able to travel across the border. You'll be able to uh, buy cannabis in Colorado and legally bring it back here uh, because technically that would be illegal now or, but then there's like that part of it. But then Maybe legalization just means insurance companies would have to recognize that this is a medical condition that they cover. And if that's the case, people have said, well, your business is going to be, you know, you'll be out of business because it'll be quote unquote legalized. On the other hand, I might be the only expert in town. See, and I think that's going to be the case for you, Tim. Like, and you need that medical supervision. You can't just be, oh, it's wreck. Everyone can use it. No, you need those guidelines. I just think that there's too many of our patients now, don't you think, Katie, where there's, like you said, I mean, for the experienced adult user, for the person who's been using for, for years and years, that that's one thing, but that really is not the majority of what we deal with here. We deal with a, a patient that's I think our average patient needs a little bit more or at least wants more guidance on how to use it in a way that helps them. Okay, like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm using it, but I get a little paranoid and I want to sleep better. So what can I do? Well, and most of the older crowd is used to smoking it with a flame. And so it's like, hey, it's legal, but it's not. I don't understand. What am I, how am I supposed to smoke pot without a lighter? I don't understand. I have a question on that though, actually. Can you, okay, so you can't use a flame. Could you light a joint with an electric stove? Because you don't have a flame. No, this is, uh, so I think the, I think the statute, and we'd have to go back over it, but I think the statute is combustion. Okay, okay. So when it's combusting at that high temperature, that's what's illegal. So, I mean, I get <laughs> your point, asked, right? Somebody like, asked me that once. Lighter, I, like, well, I don't know, that makes you know, sense, the, I guess. You know, get the old uh, car cigarette lighter Yeah, 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 there's a perfect it, example too. Right, light your joint that way. I mean, I no. Yeah. Well, no. I, I <laughs> the mean, short I, answer is no. I, I would say no too, because I wouldn't even want to risk that. No, and I think, I mean, certainly there's there's not a ton of medical benefit from the combustion. We've talked about this before, but also, I, I was just curious, and I figured this was a good opportunity. Certainly, <laughs> people are doing it in their own house, and there's no. I mean, there's something to that that sensation of the like a joint, for example, that people don't want to go away from. You're always getting the green, man. You're always getting right. The green. You're just, I know those big clouds of smoke. A vaporizer isn't the same. No, no, you're not no. getting those big clouds of smoke like you are no. with the 
like with smoking it. But yeah. Anyway, anyway, I don't know. That's a whole nother topic, whole nother podcast. We have a we have a special. Let's let's talk to our uh, guest of honor, Katie. Yeah. Know. So the I wanted you to bring up you you brought up something when we were talking about having you on the podcast about your history of like one of the things I think makes you very good at your job here and very good at helping patients is your history of Crohn's disease, how that came about. Also, even going back further, right? Going back to your history with pot smoking or cannabis use. Definitely. Tell us the background. Come on. And, and I have a question. Being siblings, has it growing up, I mean, was cannabis a big talked about thing in home, at home? I mean, when did you guys start uh, talking about it? No. When did you guys start talking about it? I think this will come up in my story. Okay, this will, this will come up in your story because I find yeah. it interesting, siblings, yeah. you know? Totally, totally. And I, it's funny because, you know, everyone says they grow up in their own version of the family, Yeah, you know? So it oh, is. Oh, yeah, this There's is big time for me because yeah. you were even bringing up stuff I don't even, like, I wouldn't even have remembered. Yeah, I have quite a few really pivoting moments in my life where I... I really feel like I was faced with the decision of becoming an addict or trying to find the right path to be healed. Because many times... Oh, I mean, we grew up in Conservativeville, right? Like, it was conservative. Do you remember when mom was the primary president? Yes. (laughs) Uh, You know, I do. I remember when she was the Cub Scout wolf leader. Oh, yes. You know, we had that little tin jar with a wolf on it. I, you know, it's a, it's a weird world we live in, in Utah and the church and all of that, but definitely a growing experience and lots of, lots of change. I will say that lots of change. Um, in high school. When were you diagnosed with Crohn's? So I was diagnosed in 97, February of 97. That's after high school. Junior. I was a junior. I graduated in 98. So my sophomore year was when. I, maybe ninth grade, I started dabbling um, with a little bit of pot. Um, I had some cool skater friends that thought it was cool to smoke pot. And I was like, wait, can I do this and still go home? Like, okay. And, you know, I remember trying it and just being super hungry. And just, I mean, needing food ASAP. That was like the one thing of being like, duh, I need food. That's all it did to me. And... You know, I was like, man, I kind of feel stupid. Nah, I'm good. And I don't want to get fat. You know, this was my thought process. So as I was uh, entered high school, I made the Bountiful High Drill Team, which was a big deal. They were, my sophomore year, we took state 50, the 50th, no. It was like one of the 10 years they ten made years, in a row. Yes, 10 years state champions. And it was just, This was a big deal. It was a big deal to me. It was my life. But I remember being a sophomore and I was friends with all the seniors and it was awesome. I was just this little kid hanging out with all the cool seniors and I loved it. And at one of the Christmas parties uh, or Christmas dances, the, you know, you get a date, you all go to somebody's house, eat dinner, you go to the dance. There was champagne and a certain amount of people tasted, only tasted this champagne. And this was the night before, I believe, the state competition. Well, we won state. And then Monday morning, someone told. And two members, me being one of them, were kicked off the Battle of Hydrill team. Told, told that you had champagne? 
told that we had broken the rules by drinking. Oh. Okay. And we had smoked a little bit of pot. Okay. But only two of us had done it. So don't worry. Everyone else is fine. You know? Right. So we got kicked off the drill team for smoking a little bit of pot and tasting champagne. And we didn't go to the Nationals California trip. We didn't get to do any of the cool high school things. Well, most of my friends were seniors, and the friend I got kicked off with was a senior. So when the end of the year came, um, school year came, she was no longer a child. She's now moved into adulthood, right? I mean, she's 18. She can do what she wants. Yeah. I am si- I had just turned 16. And my mom and my drill team coach came to me and sat down and said, you know, you need to make the right decision here. And the right decision is not to be friends with her. Tell her you cannot be friends with her. And you will come back on the drill team and you will be the drill mistress and you everything will be great. And I was like, oh man, this sucks. I got to go tell my best friend I can't be friends with her anymore. And, you know, nowadays I don't think you would do that. I think you would Google how to be friends with someone even though your mom says no. <laughs> but back in the day, we just listened to our parents. That's what we did. I was 16. So I remember meeting my friend at... Einstein's in Bountiful on Fifth South, sitting down and saying, I'm really sorry, but my mom says I can't be friends with you anymore. And if I am friends with you, I won't be able to be on the drill team. And that will put me on a path to not be where I want to be. It was a very sad moment. I mean, that's harsh, right? So she went off and sadly got addicted to drugs. Do you know what kind of drugs she got addicted to? Or, I mean, I guess that's my- Hard, 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 like hard, drugs. hard drugs. Hardcore, yeah. hardcore drugs. And I remember feeling an immense amount of guilt for that, but also feeling like if I would have stayed on the path with her, I would have just been there right with her. You can't save everyone, you know? So it's like the two different choices. But I feel like at that time in my life, I was just, I just listened to my elders. That was just what I did. And, you know, later in life, I've reconnected with her and we've had lots of discussions and she's like, oh, I'm so glad you didn't come with me because it would have been you too, you know? So I've had some closure on that. Definitely. So did you stop using cannabis then? So totally. I was a very, it's funny. I am a rule follower if I agree with the rules. If I don't agree with the rules, I am not following those rules. (laughs) But if I'm sitting over here like, okay, yes. This is very true. Very true, let right? Me, like, let me second that for you. I right want there. everyone to follow the rules. And I'm going to make you sure. You really are. But so help me if you disagree with the rules. I will prove that that rule is ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and I no longer used cannabis in high school. I tried to stay the path because apparently that's what my brain was told to do. Yeah. Uh, later in life... With my Crohn's, I have lots of lots of pain, lots of kidney issues. I found out that kidney stones are something my body just makes. And I have hundreds of kidney stones in each kidney. And they'll do it. And they'll be like, wow, you got like hundreds. We stopped counting. I'm like, sweet, thanks. But as long as they're small and not moving, I'm okay. So uh, years back, it was before probably maybe 2012-ish, I had immense kidney pain and ended up going to the emergency room at Davis Hospital. Had a CAT scan, which I do believe shows kidney stones, correct? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. How long ago was this? I think tw- 2012. This is like 2012. 2012. Okay. Or okay. So yeah. Yeah. So I went there. I had a CAT scan. The physician that worked that day in the ER that night, he came in and told me, wrote me a prescription for Lortabs, and told me I needed to see him in his clinic, and I would just need to take a Lortab a day, and I'd be fine. And I said, I don't want pain pills. I do not want this prescription. I want my kidney stones fixed. There is something wrong. And I I do remember trying to say, I don't want this prescription, but also thinking, don't take that paper out of the room. <laughs> you right? know, because I well, am in, in pain. pain. I do need something. Yeah. You know, um, I ended up going home with the pain pills and uh, about... S- Maybe four or five months later, still having that pain and going to a kidney specialist. What's that? Urologist. Uh And he did not even need a new CAT scan. He used the imaging from Davis Hospital and scheduled my surgery. Oh, wow. And I mean, that's pretty incredible to not even need tests. Like you had this test done. The kidney stone is probably bigger, (laughs) you know, common sense there. When I got the bill from Davis Hospital... Uh, it was like a $3,000 emergency room bill, which, you know, isn't that much. But You're to like, me I'm not going to pay that. Oh, hell to the no. I called Davis Hospital and I said, I need to speak to your lawyer. And they said, oh, have your lawyer contact our lawyer. And I said, I don't want to get a lawyer. I want your lawyer because your lawyer is going to be on my side. I don't need a lawyer. And I spoke with two different people at Davis Hospital. That physician was fired and my bill was erased. Nice. But that's what the problem in Utah is. Why can't we have people saying, hey, try this plant? Maybe try this tincture. Why can't we do something safe? Is that something, though, to blame to the doctors or just blame on the system? It's more of the system's fault. Good question. I mean, I think that there's no option, right? In 2012, especially in Utah, the climate here is going to be, you know, absolutely not. It's not even crossing anybody's mind. I mean, in California, maybe... Uh, in 2012 and 2010, where you're 15 years into the cannabis system, they might it might cross somebody's mind, but here, no way. Well, and you know what's funny is I I didn't think about using cannabis or research it because because at that time you didn't even think of it as a medicine, probably no, right? No, because I have been very against. Actually, I'm in search of a new gastroenterologist because mine is not a fan of cannabis. And right. I'm like, wait a minute, I want a, I want a physician or a doctor that is going, going to want to help me and educate me and, you know, want to get me where I want to be. And I point blank asked him, hey, are you, you know, I hear cannabis is going to be legal. Are you going to be a qualifying provider? And he said, oh, no, that's just a bunch of kids getting high. Yeah, I mean, that's, but that's recent, right? That's not 2012. That's this year. That is this that's year. That's 2020. Right before, I think it was February this year, because I was curious. I mean, curious. I think, so if we go, if we kind of unpack this, I think that you're, like the first time I ever thought or ever found out that you had ever used was that, was the time when you were in high school, right? Because up until then, I was like, oh, well, well you know, this is, you know, our family, we're, I mean, I'm the only one getting out of line. Right. That's what I thought, because you deal with your own world view when you're when you're young and you don't see what's going on around you. But then when you got Crohn's and you started having kidney issues through 2010, 2012, it's still it's not an option for anybody in the family at that point. Right. There's nobody who's thinking, you know, they're they're trying to give you lore tabs and narcotics 
And at that point in time, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't involved in medicine at all. And so I would have done the same thing, I guess. Like, well, you know, if the, if the doctor's telling you that this is the right thing to do, you just do it. Well, and on another side with the Crohn's, um, our younger sister has it as well. And much worse than me. And I remember at a time I was still in high school and we had, well, my mom, I think had done research on a, um, a way to cure Crohn's disease naturally. Like you made your own mayonnaise, you made your own yogurt oh, right. and Dietary it ended up putting changes. her into the hospital. So if you were to bring up cannabis at that point, I would have said, really, we just tried to make our own mayonnaise and now you want us to smoke pot? <laughs> like, why can't we, why can't it's we funny, agree? There is no way mom would have gone for it at all until like, literally until Michelle gets cancer. There's, it's like not an issue at all. Totally. 100%. Yeah. But now, I mean, from a Crohn's standpoint, you know, not uh, hypothetically speaking, your, do you think that cannabis plays a role in people with Crohn's disease? Do you think that was a good choice for the state to add? Oh, most definitely. I think um, Crohn's disease, any digestion disease, you know, I think the most, the best side effect of smoking cannabis is being thirsty. Ah. I think that every doctor I've ever gone to has said, do you drink enough water? Are you hydrated? Let's start with the basics. And do you know what I say? Water makes me throw up. Water hurts my stomach. I don't like water. So if your mouth is dry and you're, you've got that cotton mouth going yeah. on, and you're not nauseous, and you're not going to throw up. Water is now good. Water can hydrate you. So, oh, yeah. I mean, for your kidney stones too, right? Exactly. It's pretty interesting. Not a lot of people come on, Chris, and talk about the thirst. Yeah. Right? We talk a lot about the hunger. We talk a lot about pain relief. But don't talk a lot about thirst. You but know, it is this huge side effect of, oh, of cannabis, right? And you're I just think, thirsty. I don't know that uh, the dry mouth, cotton mouth, I mean, I don't know that you you can avoid that. <laughs> what I mean, what maybe causes? I don't is that, know. Is that strains? It's is just that the THC some strains content? are worse than others. It's not THC content. It's just a matter of, you know, some some strains cause dry mouth worse than others. But and couldn't we just say God people, made delivery? this plant and it made you thirsty? <laughs> I mean, All you need I'm is water. I'm just curious now that you brought it up. I've never really thought much about it because because there have been times, you know, that I've used cannabis and in some and I and I don't think I've always gotten thirsty. No, I agree. I think there's times, and I wondered if it's. I do wonder if it's uh, delivery specific too. If you're if you're inhaling it, do you get more thirsty than if you um, you know take it orally? I don't think systemically that makes any sense. Mm. I mean, it, could, it would have, but it could be from a patient view. Like my body is dehydrated, so therefore the symptom is. Well, I mean, I think certainly certain people have different reactions to the same strain. This is what makes testing and studying cannabis strains hard is because you have receptor you have more receptors than I do in certain tissues maybe, right? And maybe you've downregulated receptors in other tissues. So it's the same strain affects you differently than it affects me, but it doesn't mean it's less uh, medicinal or less helpful. So it's interesting, I wonder if you could use that as an argument for treatment for certain things at the legislature, right? 
You know, I think that uh, cannabis could really help every person. The problem is, is you would need to look into how it could help each person. So now the state said, okay, these reasons we know it can help, you know. And as the studies go, as the data backs it up, let's add some more qualifying conditions, you know. Right. Like, what do you think about, what, what would you add if you could add any qualifying conditions? So I think right now, anxiety because you really think that that's is that something that you think or is that something actually the people are asking for you know both and i think it's because right now at our clinic we're doing a 90-day survey and we're asking our patients what is working what are you using and what is working i tell people write me a book send me an email on every single thing that is helping because guess what if the people who want to experiment will do that for us we can pass that information on to the patients who are not willing to experiment. How many people have you done through the 90-day? Um, I think we have about 100 people do through the 90-day. And I, right now we're working on sorting um, the survey answers because a lot of them, and that's why I want to add, I think anxiety should be added because most of the comments from our patients, they're sleeping better, they have less anxiety, and they're using less opiates. Mm-hmm. And this is a huge part of the survey, right? So we now we're trying to be as scientific as we can, Chris, but with the with the survey, right? We're trying to ask questions that are specific enough to get some some data that's useful when we go talk to the legislature and we talk to the health department. But it's this is it's tough to get uh it's it's tough to do research on cannabis, so you're you're really having to ask the patients to respond. And part of that problem is, I mean, we weren't talking about it a year ago. Anyone saying they wanted to use cannabis a year ago was a criminal, you know? Let's be serious. They were people who were, they weren't legal. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a year ago, well, a year ago, if you had a letter, you weren't, but nobody believed that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. So what else are you finding in the survey? Like, anxiety, what else? Sleep. Insomnia, I was going to say, insomnia is a given. Insomnia is like where we start with everybody, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't, oh, well, you, you think this might help? Well, how do you sleep? And the answer is almost always, eh, I don't sleep that well. Can you imagine if everybody got a better night's sleep, how much better the world would be? We'd be kinder to each oh other. We'd be less edgy, less depressed, less anxious, everything. Besides, like you'd have lower blood pressure. The world would have lower blood pressure. We would use less prescription medications. We would eat better. You'd we move would be better. thirsty and more... drink water. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So sleep and anxiety are the big ones. I yeah. think that's what I'm seeing most on the surveys. And right now I'm trying to sort it so we can get more specific. So what are you going to do with these things? Uh, you mentioned legislator. Are you going to take these I to really the legislator? Would, I would well, really love to sort it. You know, right now, educate the providers and the patients. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that we're going to use this, like, we are really going to use this to educate the new patients. And then when people come back in for their follow-up visits, we're going to use this data to make their treatment better. I mean, we can expand this, right? We can get a lot more detailed with these with these surveys. And we could even, if you were to join our mailing list, for example, right, on utahmarijuana.org, we could send this same survey out to non-patients who were involved just as like members of the website. Or if, in fact, that'd be a good plug to go to utahmarijuana.org and sign up for the, the uh, mailing list because we'll send these surveys out. 
And that was, uh, and that's a good idea. I want to yeah. take it. I want to take this. Yeah, I think it's great. And people are, you know, I think people are cautious because they're like, well, why do you need a survey? I had a patient today, in fact. Well, why? Why do you need this? Oh, I heard this. I heard part of this phone call. And I said, you know what? We want we want you to tell us so that we can help others. All we are is passing information along. Right. We're I mean, the data is always HIPAA compliant and super secure. And yeah. no none of this data is gonna be like shared with anybody else. No personal oh, identifying data that we would use to help others would be No, and that's what's shared. really great about this, which might end up biting us in the butt later because some of the surveys I want more information on, but I cannot, I don't know which patient it came from be- right. because it's not. Cause you don't ask the names or anything. Well, like I mean, it's, or... it's in our file, but when I'm copying pasting, yeah. I'm not copying all the information. I'm copying three specific lines that say, are you using right. cannabis? When you're correlating the data, helping? you're not correlating patient specific data. Yes. You're only using patient specific data on that patient when you make the phone call. Correct. So, right. so some of the times I'm like, oh, I wish I could call this person because I want some more information, but it's one of our 2000 patients. That's not right. going to happen. <laughs> I have a question for you, Tim. And you might not be able to answer this right now. Uh, but I'm curious because you've been doing this for a little while. I mean, you've already had to meet with patients a few times by now, probably what, 90 days or. Yeah. Or- so we've, yeah, there's some patients we have had just at the beginning of this renewal process where we're seeing them again. But we've talked to quite a few patients many times. I'm just wondering what the follow up with some of these. I'm, I'm wondering. Are they noticing more benefits than they even expected? You know, I, I mean, I think I would, I would imagine. That, I think right? a lot of the problem right now is product availability. That, that, yeah. And as soon as the product becomes more available, um, some of the people I talk to and I say, hey, look, this 90 day survey, you know, you're not really going to be able to fill it out that well because they've explained to me that they haven't purchased the product they want to use. Yeah. So they've they've purchased different products. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, look, maybe we could do another survey when product is available. You can get what you want and then you can do the survey. Right. So It'd be like, interesting we'll to it. start asking the question, are you getting what you need? Yeah. Yes. Because I think, so yes, I, my experience with patients, um, this is anecdotal. It's, it's only a handful of patients that we've seen again and that I've talked to again, is that patients that have never used cannabis who use it for a specific condition they often find other other things they're like wow yeah they're like oh wow i've you know i I took this because i was having hip pain and i was sleeping better but lo and behold like i'm less anxious during the day and i'm actually getting more i'm i'm actually nicer yeah right and is that a is that because their pain is decreased in their hip well it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right? It's the whole, you're treating the whole patient. That's what I'm saying. Is the plant really, it's well, that, not going to affect That's how it should thing. be looked at too. Yeah, but that's not how it's looked at. Well, it should be. In <laughs> medicine, right? In medicine, it's very what we call allopathic. One symptom, one treatment. You have a broken bone, we put it in a cast. You have low thyroid, we give you thyroid medication. We have pain. We give you pain medication. We don't treat the whole patient. We just treat the symptom. So cannabis is different. We're treating the patient as a whole, and we're using something that affects multiple things all at once. It makes it so, like if you were going to make an argument for a specialist, a cannabis specialist, that's the reason. 
because you're, I'm not a gastroenterologist, but the plant that we recommend helps with your GI issues and helps with your pain. What would you say the best way to consume cannabis for Crohn's would even be? Would it be like a tincture? Or, I mean, you know, it, that's it, a really good I question because everyone is a little different. Um, everyone is different. I uh, my stomach is not a happy stomach. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't like anything. Um. So. So I think. Like vaping, it's probably just as good as any. Yeah, I mean, I would. Personally, I think the vaping for... is because it's quick acting. Yeah. Yes. But do you think the flower is better than the better than the uh, vape carts? You know, I think with all the scare of the vape carts, it's it's in the back of everyone's mind that they're dangerous, and that's hard to get over. It's still you still talk to people like I all still say I still, still talked about. You know, oh yeah, the vape. In fact, when you talk about vaping flower, number one, nobody knows what it is because. It's not uh, a common because thing. it's not a common thing. It, it it's becoming a little more common, but still, not a very common thing. The but when you talk about vaping, everybody is like, "Oh yeah, I don't vape. Oh yeah, I stop vaping." I stop vaping vaping because of because the lung disease. Yes, which because is not we don't, related to what we're talking about with flour. Yeah, but I I just think it's a it's going to be hard to get out of patients' minds. That's a hard one to get past. Well, that's the education piece. And it's not the education about cannabis. It's the education about use. Delivery. Like being able to come here and learn what a dry flower vaporizer is. Like, I don't think people are getting that. Other than at the pharmacy, I think they're getting some of that at the pharmacy. Did you you see you can buy those things at the pharmacy? By the the vapor? Like the vaporizers. Yeah, but I I never noticed any education on it. It's like you can buy it, but never It's probably hand you the box, read the pamphlet, go on YouTube, try to figure out where the on button is. (laughs) The the, the hard part is about most vaporizers that I've run into, they're hard to figure out how to use. Most of them, I end up having to throw them away. Yeah. Until I I got a volcano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here, the PAX is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, like the PAX is good for portability, right? We have a couple of others. There's this new, there's this new less expensive one called the, that's like a G pen or something, a G dash. If it's one I've, eh, no wasn't good. too impressed with, yeah. but it might be different. It might be different. You know what though? There's, there's all kinds. In the end of the day, everybody, yeah. everybody ends up with the same one. <laughs> I'm not going to, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Everybody ends up with the PAX. This is at very the end true. Of the day, just because, that's the most reliable. But flour's not for everybody. And with Crohn's, you have an interesting situation where maybe an oral delivery would be good because it directly acts on the gut. But at the same time, it takes a long time to, to uh, take effect. You have people in Utah who are definitely not going to use inhaled methods. So it doesn't really matter what, what would work best or not. They're, they're just going to use oral, oral delivery. Certainly a, um, a topical is not going to work. And Crohn's is interesting with the evidence because the evidence says that if you just go out and try cannabis and you have Crohn's, you're about 50-50 to get benefit, which is pretty good. Most placebos are, if they're like 50-50 um, or most drugs when you test them, if they're about 50-50, they're pretty good, right? You could get it passed. Interesting. Right? So- but if you have medical help with Crohn's or colitis, the evidence shows that you get better benefit. Do you think you would get better benefit 
but may, do you think we get this better benefit because now you know more about like the strains and you've listened to the patients talk about CBD yes. ratios and how to deliver? Does that make things better? Yes. And I will tell you, if there is free time and I'm on the phone with a patient with a lot of information and a lot of experience, I mean, I believe I spent 45 minutes with one patient on the phone because he was full of information about what to do with your product. You know, like we're now everyone's doing the dryer vaporizer. Well, what do you do with all of those coffee grounds? You know, do you just dump them out? Make some edibles. Well, correct. But um, this gentleman, and I can't even remember his name. That's how HIPAA compliant I am. Nice. (laughs) Um, He puts it on a little peanut butter toast at night, sprinkles it on top of peanut butter toast. Well, where it has released all of... Yeah, it turns into CBN. Yes, thank you. It turns into something that is the sleeper. So what is that? Okay, so let's talk about that. So you put on some peanut butter toast. So sprinkle it over your peanut butter toast and eat it. Most people say it's disgusting, but I think if you go into it with an attitude of, this is a healing, earthy Yeah, right. I mean, NyQuil is disgusting too, but- Very true. Right, you take your Uh, So have a little peanut butter toast with some already been vaped, ABV. He's what he's saying. ABV. You, got, you, you put some ABV some on ABV. top. Yeah. Uh, you know. And you, he will actually feel and, like. Uh, yeah. It, it's, oh, it's, this is not the only patient that I've had who's who's uh, described this. You can either. But why so peanut butter? Is the peanut butter doing something? Because it's so I think strong. It's sti- and sticky. Okay. And it's yeah. going to stick to it. Oh, it's going to take away that taste. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it's so. Because I can't imagine eating that stuff. That'd be disgusting. But you can either. So you can bake it into an oil. You can put it on, you can just sprinkle it right on your peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Or you can, uh, you like can a little put salt in, shaker. Right. You get a big, a big fat salt shaker. <laughs> you know, that would work, I think. Like the powdered sugar things and then. This is now you've, now you've piqued my interest. Could you imagine? With that? the salt shaker. Yeah. You could sell you those. Comes over, no, 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 don't take that one. We you know, I just think it's very important to keep these away from children, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I have non- three teenage daughters and they know I work at a cannabis clinic, you know. Um, in the beginning, we were answering the phones, Utah Marijuana. You know, right. that was the Yeah, beginning. we were. Yeah, Utah Marijuana. That's how we answered That's the phones. That's how we answered the phones. And I remember having my headset on, being at the grocery store, Utah Marijuana, how can I help you? Utah Marijuana. People were like, People thought hell? you were probably like some dealer. I'm a drug something. dealer. <laughs> I am, this is awesome. You know? I'm so glad that you did that. And my kids store. were like, hey, mom, we're picking up our friends. Can you... Can, can you not answer the phone? <laughs> you know? Uh, That's awesome. So now Utah Therapeutic Health Center, we are here to help you. We're behind you. Right. Yes, we We've sell marijuana, but yeah. not here. <laughs> After time, you realize, hey, let's calm that down. Well, you know what? I think it was good in the beginning because yeah. in the beginning, we just needed people to know exactly what this was all about. And that's that's what we were here to talk about. We're here to make it normal, make it comfortable, but get people to, to open up about it. You're not going to be judged. So, yeah. you know, you answer the phone, Utah Marijuana, and people kind of, okay, well, well, I guess I can tell you what I... What, you know, what it's I funny about the survey say. because we are um, speaking to every patient. Um, Hi, this is Katie with Utah Therapeutic. I'm calling to talk about the renewal of your cannabis card. And they're like, who is this? <laughs> it, who? Who? And you're like, right. we're with UtahMarijuana.org. We're with Utah Therapeutic. You know, you throw out some of those words and they're like... Oh yes, this is okay. This is I can cops. talk to you exactly <laughs> right. because a lot of people don't want to talk to you. I've had a few pa- 
patients hang up on me, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. I'll be like, hey, you know, is this so-and-so? This is Katie with Utah Therapeutic. I'm calling to renew your cannabis card. And they're like, click. And then the next day, hi, I'm calling you back. I'm like, what? Was your oh, was right. your husband in the room? Was your daughter in the room? And you had to hang up on me? I mean, it's a taboo thing still. We don't talk about it. We're not very, you know, we'll get there. We still, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We just have to keep encouraging people. But think to talk about, about most medication, though. How often do we talk about most medication? Right? You don't really sit around and talk about Prozac and it's you know, other stuff like that, really, either. So it's the same way. Really. No, it's just different this way, right? Because because we were all we all grew up with it being so taboo to even open up about it, even using using it. It's not like you would be this. I mean, I, I see the Prozac or your Xanax or yeah. your Norco or, you know, your Percocet. You don't want to talk about that. On the other hand, your ibuprofen and your Tylenol and things that are everyday medications, no problem. But they're just not as interesting. No, not one bit. <laughs> no, and they, like I say, they only do one thing. But I think it's interesting the conversation is switching to cannabis and now even psychedelics and and, and, oh, yeah. and and down that route. And it's like, wow, this is an exciting time to be alive. The fact that we can even talk about this is important. Yeah, absolutely. Is Definitely. It- and I think it's a generation thing. I mean, yeah. you've got the older hippie crowd that thinks it's a relaxing sure, plant right? that they can respect if people want to use it or not. Then you've got this generation maybe in their 40s to 55 who are very do not do this drug you will become a heroin addict you will do cocaine you that will. was my generation right? oh yeah, that's I, ours yeah. i remember one of the times i smoked pot in junior high yeah. thinking first even, first time i yeah, used, like, yeah are we gonna become drug addicts I, like, I, yeah i was like am i gonna have to do heroin now yeah right <laughs> right i mean i think going back to that I, like I definitely don't recommend, certainly you wouldn't want your, your kids or I wouldn't want my kids to even experiment. But the truth is, if if I was going to choose something they would experiment with, certainly uh, this is... Definitely. Cannabis is the m- safest. I mean, we're, go- we're going down the rabbit hole here if yeah. you want to talk about like <laughs> compare cannabis to alcohol to, oh, totally. you know, to going on to hard drugs or, I mean, I definitely don't want my kids going through my medicine cabinet and picking out the prescription medications and things like that. I think that education is much better now. And I guess that that's where I'm going to leave it. I think the education now is much better than it is. I think we talking about it is much more important than we realized before trying to be honest with kids about what happens and what doesn't instead of trying to scare them. Totally. And setting, right? setting that rules works. that they don't know why, you know, right? I explained to, to this rule breaking yes, and like, why is this rule? I don't rules. understand this rule. See, and I'm a big adult user. I mean, yes, the compassionate use board is set up for very specific cases that need to be evaluated. But I mean, I think people should be the whole fully developed brain. You need to be an adult before you're going to, you know, experiment with cannabis. But I think, if we just can, everyone can benefit from it if they're seeing someone who can educate them on how to use it. A, an expert here at our clinic. That's what we talk about. We are going to talk about how it helps the patient. You can't just do it on your own. You need guidance. Now, are you doing classes here, Tim? You, I know you were doing some no, classes. No, actually. So we were doing some classes. We're going to do them again. I met with uh, the dispensary owner in Bountiful, D- DJ Shantz. He's mm-hmm. got a, a, an education room 
there. We're going to be putting on classes there when they open. I think that's probably going to be 1st of August in Bountiful. Um, I haven't talked to Dragonfly. They have some some education space there. We've been so busy with the just with like growing the growing pains here that we just haven't had the time. Oh, speaking of though, on the 16th. So let's make an announcement. Of on July. the 16th of July. Yes, I believe that is at 6:30 ish. Okay. I'll have more information and uh we'll we'll make some posts on the social media about this but on the 16th of July I'll be in Kaysville at a CBD shop uh doing an education on cannabis. I want to come um, to that. Up there. Maybe yeah, we can make a up. Facebook Live. Yeah, I was going to say we should record it somehow, whether it's oh, yeah, absolutely. a podcast come recording up. or something too, yeah. you know? So we're getting back to that. We haven't been doing it because of, of the COVID, yeah. right? Everything. And besides, you know, there's so much going on here, but we are getting back to that. I'm, And then we'll record, there'll be a um, an educational seminar. I'm doing a lecture in August uh, that we'll record and we'll be able to put out as well. Very so cool. we'll do more. We should do more here. Yeah. We've got some rooms here, man. This place is beautiful, by the way. This this my first know, time come, to come Tim's check office. It out. Yeah. You can see the big, I mean, I'm looking at you, Chris, and yeah. right behind you is this big poster, Utah in the weeds. Dude, that's not just right a poster, man. A poster. This is like, that's like a well- Canvas. Canvas, man. Poster, canvas right? Yeah, it's like front and center nice, in man. our clinic is Utah in the weeds because that's where people can get education. And I think it's important to be able to talk about it and hear people's opinions. You know, all of the podcasts you've done have been fabulous. You know, the first patient, the first purchasing patient, yeah. pharmacist, the state, the guy from the state, Rick. Yeah, I mean, Rich, you've had some yeah. great uh, education on here. And you know what? That's what we need is to push this education. So listen to all of them. In well, order, not in order, it doesn't matter. look at it like a family. Like we're a family. Utah and the Weeds family. You know, Utah Therapeutic, Utah Marijuana. Like we're all this group like where we can all benefit from each other and learn from each other because we're all learning. We're all, well, it's we're, true. We're, we're and, all. And I like that. Um, I mean, it's different types of education, right? Than the standard, okay, this strain works for this, or these are the conditions. We're talking about how to get your card. What was the history behind Prop 2? What was the history behind, you know, what are the rules in the system? Let's talk to the state. Let's go to the, let's get it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Next week. We got uh, JD. Yeah, we got JD, who's going to talk about the laws and gun rights. Any any laws? Oh, I get that question so much. So this will be fabulous to get some clear cut answers. So if you if you're listening to this right when this episode gets released, pretty much like within a few days, if you have some questions, get them to Tim or myself. I'm going to try to get them to JD a little bit early so he can look at them maybe and kind of process them. At least some of the main ones. Yeah, and then we'll go from there. I would say look at the um, other states. What are they doing? Because that is a question I get. Other states are doing this. Is Utah doing it? You know, Utah, why are they not doing Utah this? Utah seems like it's the only state that worries about gun laws. No, not at all. Is it? Right? I don't, so how do we everybody compare? wants to carry. Yeah, a gun we want to carry our guns, and we need to have a joint in one hand and our pistol in the other. I don't know. I'm I'm not a gun owner, so yeah, I, I really don't know uh, a lot about. I'm not a that. gun fan, but I respect the gun. I don't want a gun in my home, but it's because I don't. I am not educated on using it, or and therefore it, I shouldn't have one. Is <sighs> it just like a gray area? I mean, I know Joe Rogan talks about his guns and cannabis. I mean, you know what I mean. He right, he, he and uses I mean he's and, out there and he, uh, you know, in the so, public in the public space. So, so I, but I, it's a huge I, question I we get it all the time. Totally. Um, but it's just like drinking and driving. Are you going to drink and drive? Are you going to take Lord Tabs and drive? Are you going to smoke 
pot and drive. Like these are common sense things. This is why right. hopefully it's an adult use thing yeah. and we can all use our brains. Well, and as you could tell with everything going on in the world, as, as many of us say, we all have our own theories and our own thoughts. And, and, yes. and uh, that's, that's the problem is it's like, what, what do you do? What do you turn to? What do you listen to? Right. Well, hopefully and, people can find their entertainment information <laughs> right here. That's right. Cause we're going to look behind all the answers yeah. and figure it out for you. Anything else you want to talk about, Tim, before... What's the situation at Dragonfly, man? Do you know anything going on with the flower there, man? It's all... No, I, man. All this I, is, it oh, is yeah. a... It's getting pathetic. It's getting a little bit pathetic. So the only thing I can tell you is that we're working on more... They're working on more dispensaries opening up. So I know Wholesome... <laughs> yeah, but that's not going to matter if they can't have the flower. <laughs> I know, but I know Wholesome has... They're vertically integrated, and they've got they've got flower growing. And that's Mindy, who we talked to that's last Mindy, week. That's Mindy, who we talked to last week. So, uh, look, it's just, it's just like every state. I think that we're way ahead. I think one of the things about Utah that is unique to the, to the lack of product is that the legislature decided to allow these letters throughout the year. We've had a huge influx of legal cannabis users with letters. We're allowing letter holders to access the dispensary, and that was not in the plan. The plan was to have card holders. So there's 4,500 card holders this week. Well, that, you know, it's a lot easier to produced product for 4,500 people than potentially the the multiple thousand more letter holders. And there's no way to track that. And there's, there's just no, no way, way to, track to track the letters. How many letters are out there? So, how so many if there's 10,000 there? letter holders, or if there's 10,000 total medical, uh, legal medical patients in Utah and two dispensaries or, you know, two and a half really, because you got to drive to Logan for the third, that's just not enough. Yeah. And that wasn't planned for. I just don't understand why they can't all share product. I mean, if they're, you're a Utah pharmacy, they should all have well, the same product. Well, they do, but they it's it all has to be grown in Utah, processed in Utah, tested in Utah, Correct, sold but, in Utah. But Dragonfly and Logan, why can't they have? Well, because they're owned by they have different grow operations. Dragonfly is a they have their own grow, and True North has their own grow, so they're really not going to share flour. Well, and supposedly what. I've heard from Dragonfly, they have flour. They just need to get it tested or something like that? Well, yes. And the Department of Agriculture is, uh, it takes them a little while. I mean, I hate, I don't want to badmouth the Department of Ag because they're doing all they can. But They don't listen just to this, not, Tim. You could badmouth them. I mean, they're just not <laughs> fast enough. I have, I did talk to somebody yesterday who is working on more labs getting approved. There's There are... I, I understand there are more labs in the works to get approved for testing with the state. And how hard man, is it though to all test these freaking that? bottlenecks? Yeah. Something's right? got to be done. Something's got to be done. I mean, changed. we need more flour. We need more dispensaries. We need them. We need them quick. Yeah. The problem COVID's is patients aren't patient. And yes, this is true. You know, we've, we're just, we're trying. I tell people baby steps. At least it's legal. You oh, know, sure, we right. just have to baby step it and Utah will get there. Well, you've said it. I mean, that's the perfect thing to end on right there. Chris, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, I am saltlake.com. Go check out my other podcast. Uh, we actually just did an interview yesterday. So this is going up on the next episode of I am Salt Lake with, with um, Stacy over at Mill Creek Coffees. We were just talking about her oh, yeah. before this. Yeah, absolutely. Go, I love Mill Creek yeah, Coffee. Yeah, go check out I am Salt Lake. And, uh, 
and then come see us. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, check us out on utahmarijuana.org. Join the join the newsletter. Be part of the be part of the process in Utah about um, the qualifying conditions and feedback for uh, cannabis use and medical cannabis use. You can always get information there. You can always contact us through our office. Come see us. Well, and, and I want to say a few things about this office real quick. I didn't, I didn't mention it uh, at the beginning. This is a nice, the thing with this office, Tim, is I love what you've done with it. it. When you walk in here, it doesn't seem like a pot doctor's office. No, I mean, the, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, we have I done mean, there was our a, the, very you best. See, you might see a cannabis leaf on the wall or something sure. like that. But, but when I got introduced again to cannabis pot doctors, we're on Venice Beach, California. Yeah, and they all had that stigma, right? And you knew and you kind of didn't want people to even see you walk into one, right? Here, I wouldn't be embarrassed to be in here. Yeah, we no, don't, I we don't that. Uh, have incense here. Yeah. We don't have so keep lots it up. of things. Keep doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's this is a comfortable place. I've, yeah. I feel like we've just tried to make it a place where you're not, you're not going to get judged. It's different than a normal doctor's office. Certainly the feel is, yeah, welcoming. We want to make it welcoming for every person who wants access, whether they're scared or not. Yeah, we just want to be, make people comfortable with the process. So thanks, Chris. I'm glad you came. I yeah. want to do more. Let's, 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 do let's more record a bunch here. here. Let's record a bunch here. This has been really fun. There's a good vibe here, you know, good energy. Yeah. And so uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast and whatever app you're listening to this in. If there is a podcast player, I was talking to Tim before. I want to make sure that this is in all the podcast apps. So I haven't had an opportunity to check all of them yet. And so if you're listening to this in an app that you normally don't listen to podcasts in and you would rather it be in something else, let Tim or myself know. And I'll work on getting it in that app or here every week. Uh, yes. Anything else you want to, anything? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Katie. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be part of this team, part of the movement, part of this Well, let's bring you back experience. on. Let's, 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 uh, you know, I'd like to. Number one member of the Utah in the Weeds podcast fan club, Katie Sly. I love that, that is right. All right, you guys. Uh, anything else before we wrap it up? Let's wrap this episode nope, let's up. let's wrap it up. See you guys next week. See you later. Be safe out there.